listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. This week, I have two very special guests, Matthew, who is a 38-year-old father of three, and Bobby, 37-year-old father of one. I'm letting you all listen in while we talk about their experiences accessing and navigating healthcare, as well as their ideas about whether or not they can change the trajectory they inherited. I just know from my perspective, uh, you don't really feel cared for a lot of the times. You go in there, and uh, like you were saying, they just kind of going through the motions to get you in, get you out, send you on your way. And, yeah. I would love it if you feel comfortable kind of sharing some of your recent experiences and how that felt. I know I know one side, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I don't know the other side. And that's something that always concerns me. Always when a patient leaves or when we're done, I'm like, dang, did they understand all of those instructions? Do they understand the medicines? Do, you know, The goal isn't just to make the patient feel cared for, but to actually care for the patient. Did either of those things, do you feel like, happen with your experience? With me, yes. With uh, the other people, no. I was really frustrated. I was really angry. And uh, I just remember talking negatively. And taking my anger out on the staff. Mm. So, it, look, <laughs> if we get emotional in here, that's all good, you know, because your situation in particular, I won't speak on any details. That's only for you to do. Um, but I will say it was serious. What were you angry and frustrated about? Well, they had uh, let out some information that got back to my command. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I felt like if I specifically told you not to say something, you just you said you wouldn't, and you just said it anyway. So I didn't want to deal with the staff here anymore. Was that bigger than your condition? No, it's not. It wasn't bigger than my condition, but it was just uh, the way they went about it. I didn't like it, and then I kept getting asked the same question over and over and over and over again by different people. Right. And like the information wasn't being passed along to each other. Mm. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do when you don't feel well <laughs> is tell people over and over and over because obviously what it sounds like is that nobody's listening. And then they didn't update some of the information in the system. <clears throat> so I was like, they didn't even care. Did, so, oh, go ahead. You no, know, I just said it's just what it felt like. And you were overnight in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we, we call that inpatient and outpatient being in the clinic. I wasn't a part of your inpatient experience. And it was weird because they just kept bringing in certain people to look. I was like, oh, look at that medical condition he got. Uh, look what he got going on. I know they're trying to like teach at mm-hmm. the same time, but it was just kind of frustrating for them to keep coming in and out, in and out. And, like, 
felt like I was in a zoo. They just, you know, pointing mm-hmm. at me, stopping, staring, and then leaving. I was like, what was that about? Did anybody ever ask for your consent? No. No one came in and said, we have college students or nursing students <laughs> or residents, and we would like that. Is it okay with you if... They did not. That was another frustrating thing, because they'll knock, boom, boom, you know, can we come in? But then, like I said, I just felt like a, a zoo animal. Do you remember any of the words that were said when people were coming in and looking? or They were just more like pointing out, like, I see. you know, parts of my body. You know, yeah. Like, look at, look at him. Yeah. This is what happened when this happens. Like, I teaching see. moment. I see. Not even really paying, like, not even... I'm just sitting there like this, like looking at them. Like, did they, were any questions asked to you? Was there any dialogue with you at all? Not really. Okay. I think that's a huge teaching moment for the practitioners who are listening. I am positive that your body language during that time was not like, "Hey, come on over, take a look," you know. But for some reason, people were not reading you. And then especially if, the, if you feel like the condition is embarrassing enough as it is mm-hmm. and to have everybody knowing. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, um, wow. I'm, I'm just paused for a moment because I think of how often we do that in healthcare. Um, yeah. So I do want to touch on the your discharge. But I also want to ask the question, while it's fresh in my mind, because I will forget, (laughs) would your experience deter you from presenting to the hospital if you found yourself in the same shape? Yeah, I would probably uh, definitely think twice about actually showing up. What is your understanding of how serious your condition was? I didn't, well, the last time, I knew it was serious because I had never had anything happen like that before for me to just swell up the way I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew it was, I just knew it was serious. I had to get it taken care of. So that's why I came over here and to try to get some anonymity instead of going to the base yeah. and having to deal with what I'm, what I'm dealing with now. Yeah. And it, it was serious. It was, it was, I mean, I can remember asking you, were you afraid of not surviving, you know? And so to to hear you say that you would think twice about going back is, it's pretty clear uh, that we have to do better and all of us have to do better. I feel like I would go without, I probably was only going to deal with two. So let's talk about that. Like, what was different? Well, I mean, from the from the start. Uh, sometimes you be just telling people's face if they if they really care about your situation or not, and you just seem like you do. And then your tone of voice, the way you carried yourself, you just made me feel comfortable. So, but everybody else was just kind of like robotic, except like the one who keeps checking me in. Uh, check me in a couple times. <laughs> she seems pretty cool, a little short girl. Yeah, she's very cool. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, 
I know from being on the consuming end, not really personally, I mean, I did talk a little bit about being a teen mother in a previous episode, but mainly with my parents, like, I just really got to witness, like, because these are the people who loved me and raised me, and and they are not scary, but they were treated oftentimes as if people were afraid of my dad, and I just remember, like, my dad was just such a teddy bear and just such a, like, I'm not going to say soft, but like <laughs> I was the baby girl. Like there was no fear there whatsoever. And then I would watch other grown adult people interact with him. And it was just like, you know, that roboticness that you talk about, I see that as fear. Like, why are you so guarded? Why are you so robotic? Like, why is your body like that? You know? Um. So I'm, I'm just thinking like, wow, like so many different things that come up in my mind. And I think for myself, as a black woman, as a um, nurse practitioner, I have a, a duality of being a medical provider and being a black American that makes me go, makes me move differently. But I, it can't just be on us. There's only 9% of nurse practitioners that are black. You know, I don't know the numbers for physicians. So it can't just, this work of like just being normal, it can't be just on those of us who have an experience like like I do. So we may, well, let's talk about the discharge first. You discharged um, earlier maybe than they would have liked. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Why, why do you think that was? Because I was trying to get back to work. And work was calling. Has work ever interfered with you seeking care that you really felt like you needed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I broke my nose recently. And um, what I think I missed maybe... Two weeks and uh, the first week was because I had to let the swelling come down and then get the nose reset and uh, you know I'm working in a pretty fast-paced environment so it's like um, you know there's kids and stuff I work in high school stuff like that so there's uh, lunchtime I'm dealing with flying balls and uh, a lot of movement and stuff like that so the principal's looking at me like like I'm crazy but, you know, I'm like, I got to go to work. Can we talk about that pressure? Like, where does that pressure come from? Would your job be in jeopardy if you didn't go to work because you were ill or needed to take care of a medical condition? Well, for me it was because I the reason I was in there is because I did something I wasn't supposed to be doing, and that led to me going in there. And then um, that brought back everything else. And like I said, put me in my current situation. But normally it doesn't. If you're, if you're, speaking for myself, me being in the Navy, if you're sick, they take care of you. I see. They do a bad job at it, but they <laughs> take care of you. Yeah, ain't lying there. Uh, military care is not, uh, it's not going to be highly touted anywhere. I don't know, you know. Because they, like, the schools they go to are, not as long. I'm going to edit this just so you don't know. I can't, I can't have that. Oh, 
right? That's like, real though. But they're they're they are licensed and board certified just like we Ooh, are. Not Corman ain't licensed and certified. Corman. That's who you when you go into a, a military hospital, Navy. I'll speak specifically Navy. You're dealing with Corman. If you see an actual doctor, that's one thing. But if you're in the military, you can't just call out sick. <laughs> what is sick call? Basically, what they give you ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> It's a running joke in the military. It's a joke in civilian world. The military wonder drug is what we call ibuprofen. And that's what they do normally. Big thousand milligrams. Going down, feel good. Hey, uh, my arm just fell off. They were like, okay, here, take this ibuprofen. And get back to work. But do you see a practitioner? Are there nurses there? A lot of times they're just, I guess he was saying, you'll deal with Corman only. And that's normally, like I would go in there, I got sniffles or something. They'd be like, here's a sick pack. All What's right. a sick pack? It'll be like some throat lozenges, some ibuprofen. That's about it. And they just give it to you in a little bag. This is not boot camp. This is regular this Navy. Is regular. Yeah. That's why people don't like going to, it takes too much to have to, to, be, to be able to actually see the doc. Hours. How does that work? Walk me through that process. Okay, so you go to sick hall. You get a sick pack. Yeah, I might be. You go what? Out. I said I got out the Navy in 04, so I mean, I might be a little outdated, but I remember sick all the number. You sit in the room with a bunch of chairs, waiting for them to call your number. You go back, you see the foreman after you've been there for about an hour and a half, <laughs> and you leave. And you're, all the time, you're not feeling well. All the time, you're not feeling well. And then you're sitting there with the other sick people, just leaning over, <laughs> waiting to be seen. Just for them to give you, like I said, give you some meds and send you on your way. So how do you see the practitioner? Who triages who triages to know whether you're in real bad shape? I mean the Corman Corman. So I say you deal with Corman a lot. You can hardly ever see the doc. Like my situation was different because it was my heart. So I saw my doc, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, but uh, a lot of times you don't. You just only deal with Corman, so they just give you something to try to make yourself feel better and send you on your way. What I would like to know, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a provider, like what can the rest of us do to take some of that pressure off, so that you feel like it's okay to take care of yourself? Because at the end of the day, that's what y'all need to do. We'll be right back after a quick break for community rounds. Hey guys, real quick, if you don't have a general practitioner, go back to the first couple of episodes of the podcast where I walk you through how to find one. You should be seeing a general practitioner annually, and there are certain tests that should be done at certain intervals. Screening for things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, prostate health. Uh, screening for sexually transmitted diseases, erectile dysfunction, things like colon cancer, uh, getting an eye exam, and a hearing test. Your checkup is just that. It's your checkup. As we'll hear in the latter part of this podcast, a lot of you are struggling internally with a lot of things 
that maybe nobody is checking in with you about. If you feel like you might be depressed or, or, or coping with things like alcohol or other substances, that annual appointment is a great time to discuss that with your practitioner. In fact, you don't have to wait for an annual appointment. If you have a concern that's bothering you right now, you can call and make an appointment to talk about that particular thing. When you get to your appointment, simply ask, am I due for any preventative screening tests? And they should be able to tell you. Now, we're gonna get back to our conversation and we're moving away from discussing medicine into discussing manna. You need to take care of yourself. You're responsible for too many people, both of your fathers. You know, you, you your health is imperative to the health of, of everybody attached to you. So if you just work, 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 and never take care of you, and you drop, and I've lived this. My father died young, you know? Everything attached to you, if you're the, if you're the, the vine, everything coming off of you will shrivel up and die. It's hard. So how do we support you all as men to take care of yourselves, that, to, to communicate the message that you are more important than work? I think it will start early. Childhood. Go back to what we were talking about as far as get up and walk it off. Yeah. Uh, you're not really dying. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you. You can push through it. And I think that gets ingrained in you. Because I had a... I, I used to do a MMA. And I, I was elbowing like pads. And then one day I fell. Uh, so I already had my elbows kind of messed up. But I fell down these stairs. And my whole elbow just blew up. And it's still pointing now, but... And I just didn't even go to the doctor. They just knotted up. I was going to work. And it was like a bunch of fluid got in there. And it just went away. I never got it checked on. And like at, right now, if I were to lean on it too much, it still hurt. But why did you not get it checked on? Because of that, what, what was ingrained in you that you just walk it off. Because you know, like you said, we don't want to be seen as weak. But I don't think it's a purposeful thing, though. I don't think it's just like a subconscious thing that we do. Yeah, I mean, I remember in boot camp, I don't know, um, I remember they say things like rub dirt on it or uh, hydrate, <laughs> you know, because we have them wear these little canteens on our hips, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you you know, you sprain your ankle or something like that, hey, I hydrate, <laughs> rub, rub some dirt on it. That's not even, that's not even a joke. Yeah. Like right now I have a, I have this, uh, my right shoulder. Feels like a pinched nerve when I move sometimes. It's like it'll just strike me with some pain. I've been having that for years and I haven't gotten it looked at. Because subconsciously it's not bad enough or? I think so. Is there hope for men who are your age and older? I mean, if we have to start from young, I know the way I mother, I have two boys, and I know the way I mother my boys. I'm very, very, very um, firm about controlling myself. Uh, 
but I used to tell them, like, when they would get their shots, I'd say, you can cry, but you cannot jump. You cannot swing your arm because, you know, I'm knowing as mom, I'm not trying to have a needle bouncing around in your arm. And so I intentionally always allow my boys to cry, always allow them to be expressive, but to an extent, because they're still little black boys. And so I was always very careful about, like, you have to control yourself. You have to control your body. But still keeping that dialogue open that, you know, if there's something wrong, you tell me. You know, we get you help. We get you cared for. We get you seen. We talk very openly. Um, and, you know, funny story, this is new. Like, my husband and I joke a lot about, like, we'll just bust out laughing because our children are so different than how we would have ever thought they would be. Like, we would not run up on our parents and ask them a question. You know, you have to say, excuse me, you have to wait to be acknowledged. And then you have to make sure that you're in a child's place. You're not asking something crazier. You know, um, I, I will always laugh at this, but my younger brother and I are really close. Um, we're like 17 months apart or something like that. We were talking one day and he was like, I remember the first time dad talked to me. Like I was 15 and he starts talking and we were just, I was just falling out laughing. I'm like, how are you going to say the first time dad talked to you, you were 15. But the kind of talking is what he was talking about. And so there is a change. Um, there is a, a I it's think. the first time my dad talked to you? Actually, it was about 15, 16. Yeah, I. Everything I did, I learned on my own, like. First time I drove a car, I stole, well, stole my mom's car. First time I got on the freeway, taught myself that, taught myself bike ride and things like that. Was your dad around or was he? And, and so he was there and your dad was there. I know my dad was there. What do you think was between you and getting the message that you didn't have to always be okay? You didn't have to always um, just know stuff without being taught? What do you think was in that space between your dads and you? I wish I could go into that. I'm not a talkative guy unless it's about you know, baseball or something. But He's still living. Yeah. What do you think, Jonathan? Uh, my first thought is probably his dad, you know. Um, wasn't a whole lot of talking going on in his uh, upbringing, you know. But uh, and that's not to totally like excuse him either, you know what I'm saying. But it's just a a reality uh, of his upbringing. Uh, could he have done more to stretch himself? Sure, you know. And me being raised by him, I've done more to stretch myself, you know what I mean, uh, as a father. So he could have did more, I'm sure, but I was always believing, you know, we all try our best. But, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. It's just kind of touching on what you said earlier. Is there any hope for, like, yeah. men our age? I don't, I don't really know because it's like once something has been ingrained in you so much, it's so hard to detach it, you know what I'm saying? It's so hard to pull that out. And so to, you know, I don't I don't know any other way 
to be, but to carry on. Like that's the only way I know how to be. Whether whether it's physical health or like mental health or emotional health, all I know is to push on. That's all I know. And that's the barrier that we run up against in healthcare. That's it. What you just said. Right. But my my stretch is the where I stretch myself is. I don't treat my sons that way, and I don't expect them to push through everything. Why 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 can you extend that grace to your sons but not to yourself? And that's the question. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that or? No, I actually never did. I had a girlfriend that was visiting um, in July, and I just love her so much. She's just a friend I've had for. 20 years plus and, and she was visiting and we needed to talk both of us needed to talk to each other but we didn't you know it's different over the phone sometimes you need your girlfriend right there and um we were at her mom's house and we were girls are different you know we were kind of snuggling on the couch just happy to be together again you know and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that you do <laughs> but there's but there's nothing wrong with that. And who better would understand you than another man who's been pushing through the same way that you've been pushing through? I personally, I think that would be beautiful. I know. Buy me a beer. <laughs> like I don't know. I just oh like cuddling with another man. Just don't. Well, we were we were holding each other. I'm yeah, not going to say not, we were cuddling. I, if comforting. it sounds better, we were holding each other and talking. Uh. <laughs> And, you know, she was just pouring out a situation and just all, and you could tell she was in so deep in it. She couldn't see the forest for the trees. And she was like, I just, I needed to see you. I wanted to talk to you because I knew you would tell me, you know, be real with me and tell me what I should do. And I said to her, what would you tell your daughter to do? You know, because we have this thing, and her daughter's adult. We both have grown daughters. We have this this way of extending grace to our children that we do not extend to ourselves. We are able, you know, if if there's something wrong with our child, we're running red lights, getting to the clinic. If it's something wrong with us, we sit there like we don't know what to do. And so I'm really serious when I say, I mean, I first of all, I congratulate you, and I think it is incredible, and I, I don't think it's a, any small thing to really figure out how to extend to your children something that you didn't receive. I don't think that many people can say that, um, and the people who can say it, I don't want to just run right over that like that's not huge. I think that's huge, and it's possible, and it's nice to hear that from a man who is a father to hear that that's possible. And I hope somebody hearing this, who it may be in a situation where they have a choice whether to perpetuate what they came up with or do something different, you know, can hear you saying, yeah, you can do something different. But I'm serious when I ask the question, why can we extend it to our children and not to ourselves? As women, we extend it not just to children, we extend it to everybody, but not to ourselves. And, and I think that this expectation, I don't know if it's cultural, you know. The daddies on, on um, social media, I mean, 
put in black fathers, you will see the cutest, sweetest, most beautiful videos, most supportive. I've seen dads. I was just watching this one of these dads in ballet, and it was like, bring your parent to ballet class. And all the parents that came were dads. It was like two women, but all the rest of them were men. And you're seeing these black men doing these ballet with their little girls, and it was beautiful. But I see those same men in clinic. I'm related to some of those men. And I go, okay, you see it for the next generation, but why don't you see it for yourself? Probably thinking it's too late to try to change now. What would you need to change now? Start over. That's not an option. What else would you need? I have no idea. I mean, it kind of resonates with me too. It almost feels like it's too late because it's like it's like a computer. You know what I'm saying? When you when you install, when you take the computer and you install all these apps and stuff like that, and then but once you reach your maximum memory, there's nothing more you can put on it, right? Um, and you buy a new computer, right? I you got some kids, and you're like, yo, you know what? My hard drive, you know, this didn't really work too well for me. And, you know, that like I can see it in hindsight or how things impacted me. So I can say, you know what, I'm going I'm to pull that app out. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to pull that app out. I'm going to uh, make sure I pull that software out. And then uh, I'm going to add, you know, I'm going to add these apps and make sure, you know, they get, get this one in their hard drive so so they don't end up like, this part of me, you know what I'm saying? It's, so it's, I don't know, it feels like, I don't know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's like, um, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, you know? There's been a rise lately in our culture of healing retreats and yoga and therapy is becoming really um, less and less taboo. And I follow the trends and I'll be real. I see a lot more women and men who identify other than cisgender and heterosexual accessing those tools. I do not see the influx um, and tag me. You guys are listening. If you do see this out there, tag me because um, my heart hurts for our brothers and our fathers and our men. But I don't see cisgender, heterosexual, black men doing these healing practices, embracing meditation, embracing yoga, embracing therapy. And I, and I, it makes sense when I listen to you all and I go, oh, you really think it's too late for you. Like, that's what you believe. But I can also tell you that that's not what people who identify with other um, identities are saying. Um and I think that does go back to the what's ingrained in you from a youth and what's put in your hard drive. Um, and, and I just, I don't know, I don't want to ramble, but I just, I wanted to do this episode to get a better understanding of the needs of a very specific demographic of people, um, black men, and... I love y'all, and 
I wouldn't be here without y'all. And we need y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need you. But I'm not sure after 50 plus minutes of talking that I feel any more confident that you'll be there for us, you know. I mean, not because you don't want to be, but because, you know, if you ignore your mental health or neglect, I shouldn't say ignore, if you neglect your mental health, if you neglect your physical health, there will come a time when it's too late. Like, truly too late. But 37, 38 is not that time. 57, 58 is not that time. My granddad is 93, <laughs> you know. Um, it is possible. It's not too late for you guys. And I would like to encourage you and listeners who are in your same position. Ask for what you need. Speak up. Anybody who is going to make you feel... Um, inadequate or weak or less than doesn't deserve you but the people who do we want you to be well um, I'll give final comments to you guys <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for having me thank you uh, to the listeners and I'm actually going to take time out to think about you know everything we talked about today Thank you for coming, for agreeing to come all this way and be a part of this. Yeah, um, you know, it's good to have a platform. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm glad somebody's providing me a platform to talk about these kind of things because I, I can honestly say I don't know where else I'm hearing this stuff talked about. I, I don't know of any other place. So uh, definitely some food for thought, some things to reflect on. And, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming and being a part. Y'all, you know what to do. Go to at D the NP on Instagram. Leave your comments. Um, let's have this conversation. If you know of resources for men like Bobby and Matthew, maybe tag um, those businesses or those people. Um, I'm an optimist. I don't think it's too late. And let's... Uh, Stand up as a community and reach out to not just these two brothers, but all of our, our dads, our, our uncles, our cousins, brothers, friends, and let them know that we got them. Thank you for listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the NP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. Uh-huh.